Thank you, Phyllis. <clears throat> and there were listeners living out in the fields, keeping watch over their RSS feeds at night. An angel of the mount appeared to them, and the glory of the pod shone around, and they were terrified. And understandably so, she is rather formidable. It's the teeth. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great television that was watched by all the people. And the people said, no, the news is not great, especially at this time of the year. Isn't there a film on the other side? And the angel of the mount said, no, you're not listening. Today, in your very headphones, a podcast has been born to you. It is Peggy the Mount's Calamitous Hour. And the people said, Calamitous? That doesn't sound very good. And yay, the angel was starting to lose her rag by now, and said, Look, it's about old telly. There is swearing in it, and the drink. And that's what you lot like, isn't it? And the field dwellers did reply, Yes, that is a fair assessment. Suddenly, a great company of the audio hosts appeared with the angel and saying, Glory to Pod in the highest download chart position, and peace on earth to those who helped it get there, especially the ones who left a five-star review as well. We will now sing hymn number nine. For the love of God Almighty, please get on with the podcast. On today's laying geese. You can absolutely see why that would appeal to me when I was at the age where I mistook being annoying for being cool. No way, that is still me. <laughs> What even is the point in the loan set for this? They, they I know, basically right? invented yeah. the Zoom meeting in 1986. Yeah. Yeah, Max Headroom was the future before we were ready for it. Are you all right? Hello and welcome to the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour, episode six. Which means, fact fans, we're halfway through the Christmas specials for the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we've got more festive merriment a la television for you today. Yes, hello you, and thanks for joining us for our casual cultural critique of Christmas television where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from the tree because here, all roads lead to the mountain. If you're new to us, you can find info and links for the particular programme we're discussing over at peggymountpod.com, as well as links to our socials and all the places you can listen and subscribe. And before we go anywhere a wassailing, Dr Velvet, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? Cast your mind back mm. to my Christmas pudding gin. Mm. Christmas pudding in a glass, right? Yeah, I can still taste it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gingerbread vodka. Mm, okay. Again, again, homemade. Yeah, yeah. Cheap as naffs vodka. <laughs> Recipe, possibly, might get on the show notes if I've got time. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. 
excellent. Let me know job. if you want some. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Burns your ring out uh-huh. for Christmas. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> what about you? I am on the Mad Goose Pale Ale. Oh, I've not had that. Oh. I haven't seen the label. Give us a ganders. The, you, you, dear listener, you can't see this, but it's got a mad goose on it. But mad as in fucking furious, not mentally ill. And that's fine. Mint. You know, Mint. we're good with that. Yep, love it, love it. Good. All right, then, moving swiftly on. We're all about the Christmas past, but what about a dystopian Christmas future? Am I dreaming? No. Max Headroom was an artificial intelligence TV personality devised by Rocky Morton, Annabel Jankel and George Stone, portrayed for the screen by Matt Frewer. A mix of early CGI and rubber prosthetics rendered this inhabitant of 1985's journey down the uncanny valley as Max became the world's first virtual VJ and interviewer, with stars at the time queuing up to fall under his digital scrutiny. Packaged into a chat show which aired on Channel 4, the episode we've watched tonight is Max Headroom's Giant Christmas Turkey, the 40-minute special which aired on Boxing Day in 1986, proving that you can simulate most things, but not sincerity. First of all, there's Niche, and then there's Max Headroom. I would suggest to you that in a general pub conversation, you can count on one nutsack the amount of people who would regularly have watched this back in the day. Yeah, I'd be... It's fair to say that by the time that most people have caught up and talked among themselves, to sort of, A, remember what Max Headroom was, and B, see how much they remember about it, that's going to take about five minutes, and during that time, I would still be talking about Max Headroom. Mm Mm-hmm. I used to fucking love Max Headroom, me. Yeah, you did. I remember. People knew who he was. Hardly anyone used to watch the show. Didn't he do some adverts for Sony or something as well? He, he did adverts, yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so in case, just in case, uh, there are a few uninformed, um, Ken, roll the tape. Here's a little extract of Max. Hi, Max, 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 Max Hedrum here. Yes, believe me as I live and dye my hair, this is really happening. Me, with you, at Christmas time. <sighs> and there he is. There he is, this uh, manic mirth-making 80s avatar. You can absolutely see why that would appeal to me when I was at the age where I mistook being annoying for being cool. No way, that is still me. <laughs> Well, I'm with you all the way. And <laughs> no, he's what a character. What a creation. Mm-hmm. Max Headroom is incredible. Incredible. And, you know, if you just listen to what he's saying, it's not badly written, this at all. Mm. Essentially, they are manic monologues that we're listening to, which go off on a very surreal tangent. Yeah, you apparently got the gig uh, just by ad as as part of his audition. Uh, and obviously the creators were like, that's exactly what we want. Um, and yeah, that sort of, um, that ad-libbing definitely became a part of who the character is because he's a 1980s VJ, sort of there to just sort of, you know, to fill space between records, videos, whatever. Um, it's this weird tightrope they walk between the freewheeling nature of what he says and the fact that the character takes so much work to bring it together. Yes, absolutely. 
Uh, apparently, um, Matt was not, uh, as you wouldn't be, a fan of the um, the makeup prep to get into Max. I've read on several that. occasions that, uh, I don't know about now, but for many years, he basically had latex embedded into his brow, which wouldn't come off. But there we go. That's right. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Worth it in terms of, from an audience perspective, to look at the finished product. My God, incredible. Because there were many people out there who didn't really... They thought he was computer-generated. The image of Max Headroom is a snapshot of the 1980s. Oh, my God, yes. In terms of not only um, what it was, but what it also wanted to be, what it expected life to be, what it yes. expected the future to be. Yeah, yeah. So, there's, there's a sinister undercurrent to Max Headroom. And I don't know whether that's there because of the very cynical tone of the character, because there is a cynicism lurking beneath him, yeah. or it's because I know of... The future series, which is set in a dystopian industrial setting. Yeah, um, um, that ran for 14 episodes. I believe we got that on Channel 4 here as well. Um, yeah, we did. And that, it's sort of technically, um, the chat show ran from 85 to 87. Uh, I believe um, the action series started in 87. Because you put the two together and on one hand, he's always in a chat show. And on the other... Max Headroom is a character in the future where um, he's not a chat show host. He's sort of the digital version of Edison Carter. It really feels like so much work is put into this thing that the copyright owners have no fucking idea what to do with. I get that impression. Yes, I agree with you. For something that's so smooth and polished, I've got to say, with the very best one in the world... Max Hedrum's giant Christmas turkey is a fucking shambles. Yeah, it is. It feels very rushed. And uh, before we get into actually the the, the programme, just um, see if you agree with me. If you just listen to him when he goes off on a little manic rant, if you close your eyes and just forgot about it, it was Max could that be Jim Carrey? <laughs> At least... Ken, he's doing it again. He's looking at me notes. <laughs> At least once a show this is happening now. Right, <clears throat> let me read you from my ding a ding a ding. The show opens with two minutes of Max jittering against his vector pattern backdrop, then cuts to a VT segment where he sings a schmaltzy Christmas ballad inside his TV next to two young kids in a sleigh. This really is testing the audience's patience already. <clears throat> it's like Jim Carrey has been given his own TV show and been told just to pad for time with an assurance of no editorial control. There you go. I mean, Absolutely. Um, I've got to say, the, the songs, when he does sing them, are still nowhere near as nauseating as Russ Abbott doing Atmosphere at the end of no, the show. No, but, no, yeah, they're not. Um, he is poking fun at Christmas tradition. Yeah, um, absolutely is, yeah. And, he, and, and also at TV convention. The whole yeah. idea of the TV set being placed into an open-top horse-pulled carriage mm-hmm. around... Is it New York? This is the bizarre thing... It looks like it's trying to be, and I know what you're going to say here. You're going to the whole show in both in visual presentation looks American. Oh, it does. That's because the particular version that we've watched. Um, you can click through with that from PeggyMapPod.com. Um, was originally broadcast in the US, so the rip, the, like the rip that we've watched, if you like, is from American TV. So that's why it looks like they're sort of broadcast standard. But I can't work out where this was made. The character of Max Headroom was created in the UK. So it's not the like... The show the... was filmed in, in London. I know right. that. 
Uh, but that definitely looks like New York. And yeah. all of the children walking around the set look suspiciously American, just in their look and in their mannerisms. Do you know what I mean? Uh, a British, uh, a bunch of British kids wouldn't act like that. They're far too immaculately behaved. <laughs> They've got to be American. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a feel. Yeah, no, there is though. There's absolutely a feel, and I I struggle with this. And it wasn't until he actually did mention that it's it they're in London at that time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, decent guest lineup, I have to say. Um, for the time. Um, yeah. But we know it's early doors here because um, his first reference when he's well, of course, with the exception of Bob Geldof and Bob Geldof singing, nobody wants to hear that at Christmas. Um, <laughs> We we then go into um, we we and of course I'll, I'll, I'm skipping past Dave Edmonds who is couldn't be any more sinister with that he, he turned a perfectly simple card trick into some kind of satanic um, gesture anyway um, yeah. we we move on into uh, Robin Williams and Headroom's first reference uh, star of Mork and Mindy I mean mm-hmm. wow we know yeah, we're that showed that showed ended like two or three years earlier. It, that's Is that all point. people knew him but, for? Yeah, well, I'm wondering at the time, yeah. Um, okay. He broke a couple of... Well, we, they weren't going to mention Popeye, were they? Uh, Fair. Yeah. And then, um, knock on the door, T. Turner. T. Turner is magnificent. Now, she, She's again, up for it, mind here, isn't uh, she? Again, I'm hoping that there's going to be something in your notes about this. Let me go first. Go for it. T. Turner... Rocking up in a wig that looks like she's beheaded the honey monster on the way to the studio and worn it as a hat. She's almost certainly having more fun than anyone else in that room. She absolutely is. Um, yes, well, uh, in my notes, something similar. Uh, T. Turner, what she got on her head? My God, she knows it's Christmas. Um, so, yeah. On a practical level, how have they done this? This is the kind of research that I haven't put into our podcast how have they done the interviews on this? Is it the celebs talking to a live monitor feed of Matt Frewer sat next door, and then they just switch the picture in post-production for a fully rendered version of Max? Or are all of these segments pre-animated, and then the interviewees just work to a script? No, it's the former. Okay. They they do work to a script, um, okay. but it, it is the former, and Max is put in in post. Because um, yeah. I'm thinking in terms of, particularly in terms of the Robin Williams one. So Max is on a TV interviewing Robin Williams, who's on another TV. What even is the point in the lounge set for this? They, they I know, basically right? invented yeah. the Zoom meeting in 1986. Yeah. Yeah, Max they Headroom have. was the future before we were ready for it. I'm telling you, Max Headroom, it's prophetic in every single way. He should absolutely uh, make a comeback, and I'm up for supporting this. Max is the hero that 2021 needs. But if mm-hmm. you're going to bring back Max now... I think you have to make him like a retro thing where he doesn't understand why the rest of the world is so much more technologically advanced than he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't need to be aware because he is trapped in a certain uh, cultural loop. Yeah. To but- be fair, there is, there is so much going on in this episode. Hmm. It, I, I, I think this is a visual buffet. I do think it was weirdly ahead of its time, but not yeah. all it could be. It felt futuristic at the time, which is probably why I watch it back now and I'm like, yeah, this needs work. <laughs> you know, it was style over substance even then. You, but, well, mm. well, yes, yes. I think. Do you know what it's, it's the equivalent of me at fifteen years old? And this is this is this happened. Me at fifteen years old being sat at 
an Archimedes computer in the art department of my school. Right. Yeah. yeah. The creative, the ideas were there, mm-hmm. but what am I going to do with it? Yeah. Don't quite know. Don't quite know how to work it. Yep. Precisely this. Bit of trivia for you. Max Headroom was originally going to be a character called Noah Parking, with CGI from a Commodore 64 and played by Trevor E for the Brummy accent. But when NCP got wind of the idea, they sent Rocky Morton a cease and desist, so we had to rework it all. It's true that you can look it up. I think I'd better. Sounds to me like they had a shoestring budget. There we are, Max Headroom's Christmas Turkey. It's different, it's full of sarcasm, parody, but importantly, for me, it was full of fun. There was four series of this. And you know what? In a strange way, I can see why. Mm-hmm. How many pegs are you going to give it, Blackout? The mighty Max Headroom, my 13-year-old self, is looking at me now and shaking his damn head when I give this four out of nine. Oh. This, is, this is eight minutes of content stretched out to 40, and I wish it was better. I knew your 13-year-old self, <laughs> and you're right. <laughs> he would be appalled at this. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he would. Um, I'll give it six. I'm giving it six because I think that's very generous. Is that because of uh, Tina Turner's hair? It's well, five of those marks are, and Max Headroom is cool as tits. Oh, Let's of course face he is. It. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. better than of this. Course. That's that's what I'm annoyed about. <laughs> the important question here is, though, after all that's been said and done, how many steps is it going to take you to carry a TV set with Max Headroom inside up the mountain? I can do it in two. two, 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 two. Show off. Max Headroom is the alter ego of Matt Frewer, of course, who rocked up in the first Olympics, Athens, 1896, next to Dave King, who appeared in the 1958 TV adaptation of Arsenic and Old Lace with Peggy Mount. Uh, Mildred, you help her up the stairs. We don't want any more accidents. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. What about yourself? Well, I thought that I could do it in about 25, as it happens... Mm -hmm. When I revise it, I can do it in two. Join me, sir. Okay, this festive edition features the chops of none other than Robin Williams, who dropped in to see Terry Wogan on his chat show in 1988, nine years after he hosted the episode of Blankety Blank, which featured Peggy Mount. See if Dolly's costume fits you. Lovely job. That takes us back. Doesn't it just? Yes. Nice little trip back in time there. Ah, and speaking of time, time is up for this episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thanks once again for stopping by. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com or we are at PeggyMountPod on Twitter and on Facebook. Unlike Max Hedrew, we're not on a screen, but if we were, it's time to switch it off. Until tomorrow, when we'll see you for Episode 7 of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour Christmas Special. Until then, keep pegging! Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iCall Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com.
It's the Connect Four competition. Half the counters in the game have been played, and still the battle goes on. Who'll be the first to connect a line of four? Dave's trying for a horizontal line, but Sue spotted it. She's blocked him, and she's going for the vertical. No, Dave's too quick, and he's seen it. He's going for the diagonal line. I've got it. Well, here, four on the line. Connect four. A winner from MB Games.